So are you guys ready to be fed? Not by my words, but by the words of God, because this word, this book right here is alive, and it rebukes, it confronts, it sometimes offends, and today we're going to be talking about what do we do with that offense. Don't make me start preaching to you guys. <laughs> Are you guys ready for the word? Do you guys have, who here has a physical Bible? I see, okay, there's a couple of you. Well, whether you have a physical Bible or a digital Bible in your hand, we're going to be going through the book of John today, John chapter 6, and this whole sermon, so this is part three of the unoffendable heart, and today we're talking about identity. We're talking about who is our confidence in? Where is our confidence found in Jesus in this passage, it's John chapter six. And I'm gonna jump right into this. And Jesus is speaking at a synagogue here. So there's disciples, there's Jews. There's a lot of people that he's ministering to. There's a lot of people that he's speaking to. There's a lot of people that it's not just the 12, it's other disciples as well beyond the 12. And there's a lot of other people listening to him. And he says this in John six, verse 47. You guys there? John six, 47. And it says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I, and this is Jesus talking here. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Everyone say forever. forever. At every campus say forever. forever. And this bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And what Jesus is doing here is he's confronting something. He's bringing something to light. He's bringing a truth out. And what he's saying is, and this is why it was so offensive in this time when Jesus was speaking, he was saying, I'm not just a messenger. I'm not just someone feeding you bread. Because a lot of these Jews were like, wow, this is a great prophet. This is a great man of God. He's feeding us the bread. He's teaching us the, the, the Old Testament. He's teaching us the Torah. This is a great man. And, not, and he, so he's saying, I'm not delivering bread. I am the bread. I am the bread. And so they immediately, right here in 52, it says the Jews then disputed and argued among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? How could this man, even before this, we're not going to read it, but they said, isn't this the son of Joseph? Wait, he's saying that I thought I was coming here to receive the word. I thought I was just coming here to receive some bread, but now this man is saying that he is the bread. He is the bread of life. And he's confronting here. And he's speaking into who he really is. He's saying, I'm not just the son of Joseph. I'm Jesus. 
the Son of God. I am the bread. And so the Jews and everyone in there, they start arguing and they start disputing, like, wait a minute, how can this be? This, is, this, this doesn't make any sense. And it says this in 53, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, and he keeps saying truly, truly, he says it over and over, because this is the truth, and he has to get it into their, into their skulls, into their minds. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat, and he doubles down, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You are dead. And he says this, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and me in him. As the, as the living father sent me, I live because of the father. So whoever feeds on me, he also live because of me. Are you guys receiving this? This is, this is the gospel right here. <laughs> He's like, I'm the only way. I'm not just feeding you bread today. I am the bread. I am the life. And he says, this is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that your fathers ate. And he's talking about manna again. But they ate it and they died. Whoever feeds on the bread will live forever. And it says, Jesus said these things in the synagogue. You know what Jesus is doing here? He's introducing the doctrine of the incarnation, which means he's fully man and fully God. These people just thought that he was fully man. They just thought he was a messenger of God. They thought he was just a good prophet. In every other religion, every other cult, every other thing besides Christianity, what we believe, that's what they also believe. He's a great prophet. But you know what we believe? He is the bread of life. That what, that's what makes us different than every other religion, every other thing in the world is he, Jesus, is the bread of life. And so he's releasing this word to them. He's saying, I am the only one that satisfies all of your satisfaction, all of your filling everlasting is now in me. And so I love thinking about in the Old Testament, he says, I'm the, I am not like the bread, I am the bread. And so manna in the Old Testament, and this is what he was confronting, and this is what still confronts us to this day, is he was saying what, what used to be was there was alive men and women, and they ate dead manna, and then they were able to live because of it, but they still died. He's saying, you're not alive. You're dead. I am the alive manna. So he's... he's transitioning from the Old Testament covenant to the new covenant here. And you got to hear this because what he's saying is you all think you're alive, but you're actually dead without me. And you thought I was just going to give you some good manna and some good word that was going to sustain you for a day like the manna did. And guess what? They needed more manna. 
They needed more and more and more. And actually, the Lord said, let all this, it said he tested them in the, in the wilderness and said, only gather enough for a few days, even if there's more as a test. And so they had to leave a ton of manna just in, out of them saying, you know what, we do trust you, Lord. And what Jesus is saying is you don't need any more manna. I am the manna. I am the true life. And you will find life in me everlasting, everlasting, everlasting into eternity. Into eternity. And so he's confronting this spirit. He's confronting this in them. And I love this. In verse 60, it says, when many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard word. Have you guys ever said that before at this church? man, this is a hard word. I've, sa- I've said it in this sermon series. <laughs> I said it last week as a pastor, thinking, wow, really? I got to forgive that much? Well, <laughs> I got to release that much? You hear me? They said, man, this is a hard word. And they, they go on and say, who can listen to this? <laughs> this, is, this is almost impossible to hear this. Who can listen to this? And this is awesome. It says, but Jesus, in verse 61, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling. Because a lot of times when we hear a hard word, what's our flesh say? Grumble. Complain. Be the Israelites with the manna. Because they complained about the manna even though it was free. They didn't even have to work for it. And they grumbled and complained. And they died in the wilderness. And Jesus is saying, I'm a new manna for you. I got new life for you. You thought you had life. You're dead. You're dead in your sins. And he's saying that to us today. I'm dead in my sin. Without Jesus, I have nothing. I have nothing. And I love this. It says, knowing that they're grumbling, are you guys ready for this? This is what Jesus asked them in 61. Do you take offense at this? There's the word. Are you, Jesus is saying, are you offended? Are you offended at the truth? Are you offended that I'm the bread of life? That you thought the king that was coming was going to come in a chariot? That you thought that he was going to rule the government? And instead, he was born in a stable. And he was born naked like we are. That's the Jesus I, that's the Jesus I want to serve. He said, I am the bread of life. And he's confronting them and he's heart checking them. And this sermon today, it's a heart check. It's a heart check. And he says, does this offend you? Then, and he goes on in 62, he says, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? In 63, it says, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Everyone say, no help at all. And he says this, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit 
and life. In the King James Version, it says, the flesh profiteth nothing. The flesh is nothing. And so what Jesus is doing in this moment and what he's doing in this message, what he's doing in this room, what he's doing in Indiana and NYC and all of our watch parties, he's saying, who are you gonna listen to? The flesh or the spirit? Because the spirit is life and truth and peace and the flesh is offense. The flesh is death. The flesh profiteth nothing. And what Jesus is doing here is he's heart-checking them. And he's saying, who are you going to submit to? Because guess what? We have that flesh in our mind speaking to us. And either we submit to the flesh or we submit to the spirit. It was so fitting that we sang that song about duplicity. You know what that means? Is that we're trying to serve two masters. That there's the flesh and the spirit. We could only serve one. So who are we going to listen to? <laughs> Come on. Who are we going to submit to? Are we going to submit to Jesus? Are we going to submit to the spirit? Are we going to submit to the flesh, which is death? Come on now. Our kids are preaching here in Long Island. Come on. And so he's heart-checking them. He's saying, who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to believe? Are you going to submit to the spirit, which is life? Or are you going to submit to the flesh? Because whichever you listen to more and submit to, that is who has the authority in your life. That is who we give the authority to. If we submit to the flesh and all the things that come with it, and at the root, the flesh loves offense. The greatest comfort to the flesh is offense. You want to comfort the flesh? You want to pet it? Get offended and stay in the offense and watch every other evil deed follow. Bitterness, malice, hate, anger, Every uh, Second Timothy 3, read it. We're not even going to get into it. Unrepentant. It says unreconcilable. It comes at the start and the root of offense. If you live in your offense, you will submit to the flesh and all other evils, including addictions, pornography, drugs, anger, hatred, all of those things will follow. I prop, this is the promises of scripture. But if we submit to the Holy Spirit, he says, I am life, I am peace, I am filling eternal. I am the everlasting, what Jesus is saying. I am the everlasting Nothing else, nothing else will suffice. Nothing else. Are you guys ready to see what happens here? In 66, come on now. We got some amazing kids in this Long Island location. And so Jesus heart checks them and says, are you offended by this? Who's offended? Raise your hand. 
That's what Jesus is doing. In 66, it says this. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. That's what offense does. It makes us desert Jesus. It makes us leave the very thing that we know is the truth. These are disciples that saw him walk on. This is, this is uh, John 6. This isn't the first chapter. They saw healings. They saw him walk on water. They saw miracles. They've seen what Jesus can do. And because of offense, allowing it to come in and submit to the flesh, they deserted the Son of God. They deserted the very king who was coming to save them. Could you imagine? Can you imagine deserting Jesus because of offense? The enemy is trying to do that in you right now. The enemy's at work. And he's trying so hard to get you offended by everything. Politics, Facebook, <laughs> literally everything. And he's saying, man, and, he, and, he, and this is the flesh whispering, wow, they don't value you. Wow, I can't believe they did that to you. They don't realize how good of a preacher you are. They don't realize how good of a connect group leader you'll be. They don't see your potential. And the enemy is whispering and whispering and whispering. And if we submit to those whispers, offense will enter your heart. It's not if, it's it will enter your heart. And so Jesus is saying, this is an offensive word. Are you offended? Yeah. But what are you going to do with it? Are you going to submit to the Spirit and say, Lord Jesus, I will submit to you in whatever truth you have for me, even if it's the hardest thing you've ever heard. Even if it goes against what I thought was going to happen, what I believe is true. If, if, the, if this word says it, Lord, let it be so. And so they desert him. And so Jesus goes deeper. You're like, man, Jesus is confronting them. He's heart checking them. And Jesus says this in 67, he says, he, and he turns to the 12. So the, the 12 is still there. So it says that disciples left. These are like peripheral disciples who've been following him. The 12 are still there. And he looks directly in their faces and he says, do you want to go as well? Are you leaving me too? And I love this. Simon Peter, who here loves Peter? Who here is like a Peter? Rough around the edges a little bit. We got to reel you back in sometimes. And Peter, and this is my prayer that this is what our, our, our this is what we would say. This is my prayer that what, this is what I would say. It's Lord, to whom else shall we go? Whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
and we have believed, and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter says, I'm not going anywhere. I don't have a plan B. I don't care if you give me every offensive word. Where else are we gonna go? And the Lord is saying, can you be that real one? He's asking today, who are the real ones? Who are the wild ones? And there's a heart check happening within the disciples, within his followers, within the Jews, within everyone who's listening to him. He's challenging us. He's saying, whose voice are you going to listen to? Whose voice are you going to have the confidence in? The spirit or the flesh? Because in Romans 8, the it, it gets much worse. The flesh is much worse than we ever imagined. It says this in Romans 8, verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the thing of the Spirit. Verse 6, I want you guys to write this down on Post-it notes and put it everywhere in your house, in your car, in your post, on your bed, everywhere. It says this, For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And this is Apostle Paul. And he's talking to the Roman church here. He didn't have the teaching of John yet. And he's mirroring the very words of Jesus. He's mirroring the words of Jesus. And he's saying, the flesh is death. The flesh is death. To set your mind on it is death, but you set your mind on the spirit is life and peace. It says, for the mind, and hear me now, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so my question to you today is, who are you submitted to? your flesh or the spirit because in the flesh you cannot please God you will only comfort and please your flesh and pet it like a dog and say good boy good boy an offense comes an anger comes and everything else comes with it and so what's amazing is that as we submit to the Holy Spirit as we submit to his will, our identity is spoken back to us. Are you guys ready for this? Romans 8, I'm going to jump right to 16. It says, when we submit to the Holy Spirit in 16, it says this, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit test, it preaches back to us. So we don't have to wake up in the morning and say, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. I'm gonna try really hard today. That's an orphan. You don't have to try to be a son. You're just born into it. 
And what Jesus is saying, what Apostle Paul is saying, is that when you are submitted to the Holy Spirit, that that, that Holy Spirit testifies and preaches back to our spirit and says, you are a son. You have authority. You have the ability to cast demons out, to raise and, and heal the sick. And so we don't have to try to prove it. We don't have to try to tell everybody. We don't have to try to come here and say, I'm going to try hard today. I'm going to try to be a son. I'm going to try to be a daughter. No, the spirit testifies on our behalf and it preaches back to us and it tells us and it testifies and says, you are a daughter. This is your identity. Are you guys getting that? And so offense will do a heart check and ask, who are the real ones? Are you guys the real ones today in this house? Are you the real ones in Indiana today? In NYC, are you the real ones I got a couple of questions for you guys to think of and ponder about yourself. Who are the real ones when the pastor says something you don't agree with or something that is hard to hear? Who are the real ones when you hear your group is going into a different direction? When the team that you were on is doing something different than what you thought was going to happen? Are you still a real one? Or do you allow offense to come into your heart? It's a heart check. Who is your confidence in? Who are the real ones when your spouse gets sick and is no longer able to provide like they used to? Who are the real ones when your spouse changes and becomes different than the person you married? Are you still going to be the real one that says, you know what? I know things have changed. I know things are different, but I'm submitting to the Holy Spirit and I'm going on this journey with you. And I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know there's times of frustration. But Lord Jesus, I'm submitting to your spirit. I'm listening to that voice. And Lord Jesus, you will fill me to everlasting. Who are the real ones when promises from friends get broken? And what you thought was going to happen happens very differently. Where everything you expected gets delayed. When everything you thought was going to happen happens much different. When you thought that you heard from the Lord and he said this is going to happen this month and it still hasn't happened yet. When there's a delay. Can I speak into that delay for a little bit? Because I believe that there's some people here in this room, there's some people watching in Indiana, NYC at watch parties, who have been in a season of delay. The thing you thought was going to happen hasn't happened. The thing you've been waiting for, the job, the promotion, the opportunity, it hasn't happened yet. And there has been a heart check in you from the Holy Spirit. He's saying, are you still a real one? Are you still going to submit to the Spirit? Are you still going to say, Lord Jesus, I don't care if this is the hardest thing I've ever gone through. I don't care if I feel like I'm in a wilderness season, Lord. I will submit to your Holy Spirit because it's testifying back to me who I truly am. And Lord Jesus, I'm going to walk out what you have for me. 
unmet expectations are one of the fastest ways to offense. Unmet expectations. What you thought was gonna happen doesn't happen or what you thought wasn't gonna happen does happen. Unmet expectations. I thought it was gonna be this way. I thought this person was gonna be this for me. I thought the pastor was gonna speak into this part or this into my spouse because it's all their fault. I thought this was going to happen. Unmet expectations. Unmet expectations is one of the fastest ways to offense. And we're going to go into Exodus 19 as we close out this sermon, as we go into this last passage here. Can we go all the way back to the Old Testament? In Exodus 19, and the Lord's doing a work right now. Let him do the work. I believe that some of you, your heart's beating real fast. There's people that the Lord has placed on your mind. There's experiences the Lord is bringing back to you. And today in this house, there's freedom for you. There's freedom for you. The Lord says, my burden is light for you today. You don't have to carry it anymore. The trauma that you experienced, the previous church hurt that you experienced, how you got hurt by a pastor, by a leader, by a friend, by a coworker, by a spouse. The Lord says, you don't have to carry that anymore. I bore all of it on the cross, the Lord says today. I already carried it. He already, it is finished. You don't have to carry the offense. And so in Exodus 19, we're gonna jump right into this because the Lord wants to meet with his people. The whole story of the Old Testament is the Lord trying over and over and over again just to meet with his people. And then he sends Jesus in the New Testament and says, once and for all, once and for all. And so Exodus 19, Moses and the Israelites come to Mount Sinai. This is a massive mountain. And they've been freed from slavery, from Egypt. They've seen the Red Sea part. They've seen bitter water. They've seen all of the miracles, just like those disciples. They've seen the, the 10 miracles that happened or the 10 plagues. They've seen Moses hit a rock and water came out. And the Lord meets with Moses and he says, I wanna, I, I wanna meet with my people. I wanna meet with my people. I want them to hear my voice. I want to come down on this mountain. I want them to see who their God is. I wanna meet with my people. This is the heart of God. Do you hear his heart? I wanna, he says, I wanna meet with my people. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear my voice. And he says, be ready in three days because I'm coming in three days. I'm coming in three days. I'm coming on this mountain. I'm meeting with my people. Are you guys ready to hear what happens here? Exodus 19, verse 16, it says this. If you need to close your eyes and put yourself in these people's shoes, do it. Don't, let all distractions leave you right now. If you're on your phone right now, turn it off. Close it. Because the Lord's about to speak through this scripture, and I believe that there is, there is breaking off. 
There's things that the Lord is going to be doing to you even as I, as I speak this out. All right, Exodus 19, verse 16, it says, On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all of the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in the thunder. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. Moses went up. Can you guys only imagine what that was like? The God who created the heavens and the earth comes down in fire, comes down. This physical mountain is shaking, is trembling. I can only imagine those Israelites being laid low, falling to their knees and saying, Lord, if this is who you are, I will serve you forever. If this is our God, if this is the God who took us out of Egypt, who parted the Red Sea, Lord, we will give you everything. That's what they were saying. And they have this amazing worship experience. And man, we thought, we think our worship is good here. They had a crazy time with the Lord. They heard his, his audible voice. They saw him speak to Moses. They saw the fire and the smoke and the darkness and the trembling and the lightning and the thunder. And there's this trumpet. There was no trumpet players. A physical sound of heaven. There was trumpets playing. And they saw this amazing experience with God. Can you guys only imagine? And so Moses goes up the mountain and he meets with God. And he gives him the Ten Commandments. He gives them the, the, the plans for the Ark of the Covenant. He gives them the plans for the tabernacle, the mercy seat. And this is all the Lord saying, I got to create something for my people to be able to meet with me. I got to create a tabernacle in the wilderness. I got to create an ark. I got to create a mercy seat for my people to be able to come into my presence because I want to meet with my people. I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. This is what God is saying to them. And in Exodus 32, so we're in 19, he gives them all these rules and plans and the covenants. And in Exodus 32, are you guys ready? In verse one, it says this, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this fellow Moses, as for this Moses guy, 
We don't know what happened to him. And so we're gonna take our earrings off and our jewelry and our gold, and we're gonna give it to Aaron, and Aaron is gonna make a golden calf for them to worship another God. And I, I read this, it's hard for me to read that without crying because it's, what? Aren't these the same people that just experienced the greatest experience that they've ever encountered? The real God came down on this mountain and he trembled and his voice was heard and there was trumpets. These are the same people? How? How? It doesn't even make sense to me. It's like, wait, it can't be the same people. Didn't they experience something that they've never experienced before? But do you know why they worshiped another God? It says, when the people saw that Moses delayed from coming down the mountain, what they expected to happen did not happen. And they let offense into their heart. And they deserted the Lord, just like those other disciples in John. They deserted him and said, we're gonna worship another God. After going through that and seeing that the offense led them to all other forms of evil. The offense led them by submitting to the flesh by submitting to that spirit, by submitting to those thoughts in their head where they're like, wait, Moses said he was coming down in a week. It's been two weeks where he's at. I guess that fellow Moses, guess what? When, when there's an offense that comes in your heart, you lose all honor for those around you. They, that was Pastor Moses. And now they're saying that fellow Moses, that guy, we don't really, I don't know what happened to him. What? He, he's the one that helped free you from Egypt. And they lost all honor. Offense allows you to lose all honor, not just for God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, the triune nature of God, but for your elders, for your leaders, for your pastors. You could call Pastor Mike, Pastor Mike for five years, you get offense in your heart and he turns into Mike real fast. Real fast. And I've seen it. And so my question to you today, my heart check for you today is whose voice are you gonna listen to? The flesh or the spirit? Because let me tell you, if you're like, wow, I can't believe the Israelites did that. They saw this amazing experience. Guess what? This happens to us. And let me tell you how. We come in through these doors. We come into Indiana. We come into NYC. We come into our campuses and we have this amazing worship experience. And we come here and we could fall, we could even fall to our knees and we fall and we say, Jesus, Jesus, I surrender everything to you. And we fall flat and we are humbled. And we say, Lord, take everything, have everything. It's all I want is you, Jesus. And we could come here and do that and say that. And then Monday happens and Tuesday happens and Wednesday happens. 
and we're jumping back into the same addictions that we were doing before we came here. We're jumping back into the same offenses. We're jumping back into the same cycles of sin. And so this is a heart check for you guys today. This is a heart check to say, who are you submitted to, the flesh or the spirit? Because the spirit is life and it's peace. It's life everlasting. It's life ever filling. It's life that flows from heaven down to us and it never ends. The anointing never stops. It never stops. And so as we look at this story, the difference between the Israelites and Moses was what? Moses went up. Moses went up. And you may say, well, Pastor Josh, they weren't allowed to go on the mountain. That is true. But Hebrews 12, it says, we haven't approached the mountain of fire. We have approached the mountain of Zion, the holy city that is everlasting. And now we come rushing into his presence. We come rushing into his courts. We come rushing into his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. So we haven't gotten to the mountain. We haven't come to a mountain of fire. We've come to the mountain of Zion, the true bread, Jesus Christ. And now we enter his thank, his courts with thanksgiving and praise and worship and we say, Jesus, we will go up the mountain. We want to be like Moses. We want to be like Peter. So if everyone could stand up right now at every single campus, stand up right now, wherever you're at, even at a watch party in Indiana and in NYC, I want you to stand up because the Lord is about to do something in you. He's about to do something through you. And what I believe that is, is he is calling you out and he is saying, who are the wild ones? Who's ready to come up the mountain with me? The Lord says, come up the mountain with me. I want to be like Peter where I say, Jesus, where else am I going to go? I don't have a plan B. I don't have anything else. I have nowhere else to go. So right now at this campus, at every other campus, I want you to come forward right now in this altar. If you say, do you know what? I want to come up the mountain. I want to be like Moses. I want to be like Peter. I want to be the wild one. I want to be the one that says, Lord Jesus, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to surrender everything so in indiana in nyc here yeah come on come forward don't let the enemy lie to you he lies no more those lies are gone those lies are gone so i want you to come forward and say me me yes jesus yes jesus yes jesus i will do what you want i will submit to the spirit i will give you everything that i have i will submit my will i will submit my purpose to you jesus because you're doing a new work father so lord jesus right now at every campus as people come forward at every single campus Lord Jesus, I pray for a new anointing that would fall over them. I pray for every single person here, Lord, that there would be healings, miracles, Father. I pray right now, Jesus, do your work. Do your work. Do your work. Do your work. Do what only you can do, Jesus. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen.